once you do it, uh, whether the church plant succeeds or fails, it's you want to do it again and you want to do it again and you want to do it again because it's not it's not about like starting a church in my name or it's not about starting a church in anybody else's name, but it's about bringing the kingdom of God where the kingdom of God is not. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, We're currently finishing up the first week of our two-week lockdown here in Sydney. Uh, So uh, we're hoping to get out of the house sometime soon. Well, the voice you just heard belongs to our first guest on the podcast, and I thought it would only be fitting to get my partner on the Hacker blog to join me. He is a licensed minister, church planter, and lover of the word. He also just happens to be my older brother, Mike Hackathorn. I'd like to welcome Mike Hackathorn to the Hacker Podcast. Welcome, Mike. Hey, man. It's good to be here. Happy to be here. Um, you know, just just happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're getting used to this. Obviously, this is my first time recording it, so we've been jumping through a lot of hoops just to get this thing going. and. I'm just glad we're finally here to actually record it. A lot of hoops. <laughs> I mean, you even went out and got yourself a mic, so very grateful. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, so, you know, got to make this work, make the dream work. That's right. Well, I wanted to start out by uh, having the listeners get to know you a bit. A lot of the listeners to the podcast know me. Obviously, I've been pushing it quite hard and because I'm the host of this they know um most most about me but and I know there's a few that uh, are your friends that have um clicked into the podcast but I like uh, you know the people that are connected to me more so over here in Australia and in this region of the world to get to know you so uh yeah what was it like uh, growing up give us a bit of a backstory about yourself well, growing up was hard. Uh, I lived in Greg Hackthorn's shadow. For <laughs> still, still trying to get over that shadow. Uh, not no, true. Not true. Growing up was uh, pretty crazy. Um, you know, uh, three, three other siblings. Um, you know, just trying to do what I can to to uh, stay in church and please God and love God, um, but. You know, growing up, it was basically Bible quizzing was my entire life. So, what, um, what's think, what's Bible quizzing for those who may not? Yeah, know. so Bible quizzing is a program where you you commit scripture to memory and uh, basically have competitions against other people who are committing scripture to memory. Can <laughs> uh, quite competitive, actually, uh, which sounds <laughs> sounds kind of weird. Um, but it can get pretty competitive. Um, but I remember growing up, I, uh, uh, Bible quizzing for me was more of just a game until, uh, I got to the book of Romans. Um, and I remember studying the book of Romans. We had to memorize the entire book of Romans. So take what you know about the book of Romans, which is, you know, it's very deep. It's very, uh, very in depth. And then we had to memorize the entire book. Um, but I'll never forget it. For a lot of people, it was a wait, challenge wait, wait. for you, me. You memorized the entire book of Romans? Yeah. So it wasn't just yeah, like so. a few verses with Bible quizzing. You were you remembering. How many verses were you memorizing a year, roughly? Um, I want to say five, six hundred, somewhere around there. Um, that may be a little bit high, a little bit low. It's been a little been like 20 years since I Bible quiz. <laughs> wow, I'm old. Uh, but yeah, so um, learning a ton of Bible verses, but you know, Romans was the one that really changed my life. Um, Ro- Romans was where I like to tell people Romans is where it went from just a game to me to uh, a passion to something that I actually loved. Um, Romans is what got, got me started on my journey to uh, studying the scriptures more and uh, not not just studying them to uh, excel at Bible quizzing, but studying them to actually 
uh, begin to make a difference in my life and then make a difference in other people's lives as well. So um, I credit uh, the great Apostle Paul for writing that fantastic book. Um, give him a shout out on the podcast. Um, Paul, if you're listening. Better, you Paul, know. if you're listening. Just, shout out. Uh, just give him a shout out real quick. Uh, but yeah, that that was uh, what really changed my life. But Bible quizzing, you know, I, growing up, I didn't have the childhood that other people had. <laughs> Uh, you know, playing sports and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I always tell people I'm thankful for it um, because the childhood that I had is what is part of what has made me the man that I am today. Um, so I, I'm very, very thankful for my childhood, for, for my parents, basically. Uh, Mom and dad, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but basically forcing me to uh, learn Bible verses. Um, but the book of Romans is where it all changed. And, so, uh, so you mentioned that, uh, Bible quizzing was a competition. How good were you? I was the best man. <laughs> um, I had this guy on my team who, you know, kept holding me back and holding me down. That's right. Refused uh, to study. The name was Greg Hackathorn. <laughs> he just didn't really study that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, uh, we were pretty good. Um, I mean, never, never won nationals, but you know, never, were, never was the, the best in the country. That's a high bar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were best in the state a few times and got to number five in the country one time. So that, that was pretty cool. But, you know, uh, I honestly don't remember much about the competitions to be honest with you. Um, uh, but the, uh, the memorization is what really stuck with me and getting those verses down inside. And that's what created the love. I, I still have people today who ask me, like, they'll, they'll hear me preach and they'll say, well, how can you just quote Bible verses off the top of your head? Well, I memorized thousands of them. <laughs> so uh, some of them were bound to stick. Some of them were bound to stay with me. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, you know, and it built a love for the scriptures and a love for God. At a very young age. Yeah, starting from seven. So, yeah, you're obviously going to remember some of those. Did you have any? Yeah, it was was basically our entire childhood. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what we did for our entire childhood. Did you have any other interests growing up besides Bible quizzing? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a uh, sports junkie. Um. I, I. I mean, I guess I'm a big football fan. I, <laughs> Come I on. I'm a, I'm a big Come on. Fan. I'm trying to bleed it out of you. Let's go. Let's talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even really be a closet football fan. <laughs> I think even, even the people, you know, even the people in Australia know me better than that. So uh, I, uh, and all my friends definitely do. So uh, yeah, I, I'm a big, big football fan, uh, big golf fan. Love to golf, love Tiger Woods. Uh, I know that's unpopular to a lot of people today, but I, I love Tiger. It's not. Um, it's not unpopular on this show. <laughs> that's right. Uh, lo- I love baseball. Um, I mean, I, basically, growing up for me, it was Bible quizzing and sports. If I wasn't doing one, I was doing the other. Um, so you know that that's that basically encapsulates my entire childhood. <laughs> as sad as that is, I'm just disappointed uh, you moved on from the Chiefs so quick. I was hoping to turn this into a 30 minute podcast just about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Well, we can do that. Uh, <laughs> I certainly have enough content for that. But, you know, I didn't pay as much attention last year, so you probably know more than I do. I think that. the I think the listeners would be diving off the podcast by the second. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> So uh, when did you feel the call to ministry? You're, you're currently involved in ministry. You're a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church International. Um, but obviously there would have been a, a point in time where you felt the call. So uh, tell us a bit about that. When did you feel the call to ministry? You know, what's crazy is um, I, I, you know, I know it's popular for a lot of people to say that they point to one specific time and one specific altar service. I know that that happened for you. Um but that really didn't happen for me. Uh, I had basically uh, what I was talking about earlier when I memorized the book of Romans. That was my, that was what really 
bought me in at that point. Uh, up until that point, you know, I was just kind of a kid, just kind of hanging out, you know, doing whatever. And when I memorized that book and I saw, um, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Brother David Bernard's book, uh, the Book of Romans that he wrote. Fantastic book. Um, I encourage anybody to check it out, read it. Uh, it. It does really, he goes really in depth and really opens up that book, opens up that scripture. It's, it's actually very in depth, very complicated. And I remember memorizing those verses and reading his book at the same time. So I memorized the verses and then read his book that, that dealt with, because he basically does an exegesis on the, on the entire book of Romans. And I basically just memorized verses and read that book as I was memorizing the verses. And I, I, I never, I'll never forget, it was, it was after that year um, that I felt like God really began to pull at me. Um, I, I've had, I've definitely had uh, altar services. I, I know youth conventions, uh, and Missouri Youth Convention uh, was something that was huge for me growing up. Um, and I had a lot of um, uh, life-changing experiences at, at Missouri Youth Convention. Um, but I, I, I guess I can't necessarily speak uh, point to one specific altar service, uh, but it was kind of a, a conglomeration of altar services. It was kind of a, a building process. You know, I, I think, uh, who is it? Uh, Isaiah, who says, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, or Jeremiah, one of, one of the two prophets. Uh, but they, you know, that that's basically how it worked for me, was it was just kind of built upon uh, they just kind of built upon each other, and I was I was actually blessed. I was fortunate growing up to have um, some great men of God in my life. Um, you know, Keith Perryman, uh, Josh Lewis, some you know names that 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 a lot of people won't know, but names that um, uh, impacted my life in a, in a very huge way. My one of my pastors, Pastor Jonathan Hershon, was very influential in my life. Um, Pastor Stan Gleason. I, I just I've been blessed to have people who just have come along in my life. It seems like at the right time, and kind of helped me and build me up to where I am today. Um, and I, I've just kind of taken that step by step process. Uh, like I said, I can't really necessarily point to one thing, um, but it's just a, a build up of things. And through that process, you felt the call to take the next step into ministry. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually, I'll never forget, I actually uh, started preaching, probably, I think I was about 16 years old, the first time I preached, and I'll, I'll never forget my first, my first message I ever preached was in a nursing home. Wow. And I'm going to tell you what, man, when I was on the youth staff at the Life Church in Kansas City, I was used to joke with some of the kids and just be like, you haven't preached until you preached at a nursing home. It was like it, it, that, you know, that was my very first sermon that got me prepared. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could preach to a much less receptive crowd than that. Uh, but it was good for me. Uh, it was, it was, I, I also, uh, not in a proud way, but I'm also, you know, very happy that that was my first message because it, my, my first message was outside the four walls of the church. And right. I mean, I think that's the way the gospel is supposed to be preached. That's how the gospel is supposed to be lived. Um, and so um, I, that's where it all started for me. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of built from there. And um, I've been blessed every step of the way. God has just kind of opened up doors for me and, and made ways, uh, made ways for, for me. That's awesome, man. So you, um, you were going to church in Kansas City. I remember um, that's when, when I first moved to Australia. You were still in Kansas City. Which church were you attending there? Uh, it was the Life Church in Kansas City. Um, Pastor Stan Gleason. Uh, shout out to that church. That church, I give that church full credit for, I say, for raising me. Um, so uh, before I started going to the Life Church, I mean, I was in church and I was even preaching a little bit, um, but I'll never forget. I was going to a church before that, and uh, I remember praying, and and I met a guy who's actually 
one of my best friends now, and I actually, I'm actually uh, um, neighbors with him here in Utah now. Um, kind of follow him out here, <laughs> but uh, he uh, he introduced me to the Life Church, and I, I remember praying about it and thinking because I knew if I went to the Life Church, I knew this is a big church. I'm never, you know, I was uh, I was preaching pretty regularly at the church that I was going to, and I remember thinking, you know, praying and like, God, is this a step back? You know, should I go here? And I'll never forget God told me that I was going to be at that church for a season. And while I was at that church, I was going to grow and I was going to develop in ways that I could not at the other church. And that's maybe one of the truest words that's ever been spoken to me, because the six years after that prepared me uh, for where I'm at now and for where I was before here in Philadelphia. Um those six years really prepped me. Um, I, I, I'm not sure you can really prep for Philadelphia, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, thinking back, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I guess I was following the call of God. Um, but for those six years, I, I learned under the best pastor I've ever had. Um, and I, I got to uh, be mentored by him and mentored by his son, who, who was became one of my friends and really helped me out. Um, and Justin then, you know, you know, it, it was just a great experience, a great time for me. You're talking about Justin Gleason? Talking about Justin Gleason, yeah. the man, the myth, the legend. A fellow podcaster? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you were at the church in Kansas City for a while, and then you got up and you moved to Philly. I remember you talking to me about this, and it was, you know, kind of out of left field, Philadelphia. For those of you in Australia, I mean, for you to understand this, he's going from Midwest America all the way out to the East Coast. And uh, us mis- us Midwesterners are not huge fans of the East Coast. We tend to stay no, away from it. <laughs> so what happened there? How, how did you end up in Philadelphia, this Midwest boy, Kansas City Chiefs fan? How did you end up in the city of brotherly love? Uh, well... Uh, it's going to sound simple, but God. Um, yeah, I mean, I uh, looking back on it, you know, it, it was like so many things that just came together at one time. I, I remember, um, I remember my last year at the Life Church was a bit rough, not because of the church itself, but because I just kind of felt this pull uh, to go do something else. Um, you know. I've always been uh, a minister at heart. Um, And so I I never want to diminish anyone or how anyone lives, Uh, but it was kind of hard for me to just sit on a pew for five years. And and basically that's what I did. I learned, I learned a lot and I contributed quite a bit to the youth staff as well. Um, But I was pretty much just kind of chilling and hanging out, which was fine for, for a while. Um, but I kind of started to feel that pull to go somewhere else. And I got a message from one of my friends on, uh, see the Facebook, I think it was Twitter. Cause I remember thinking it was Twitter because I'm like, I never get on Twitter ever. I, I mean, I have a Twitter account that's probably seven years old and I probably can count on two hands the number of times I've actually been on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's a so good thing. It, it was just out of the blue. I, I got on Twitter. I checked it, and I had a message from this guy, and he was basically just saying, hey, I'm starting a church in Philadelphia, and I'd love for you to come. And, and what I what I really thought was weird was I hadn't heard from this guy in about 10 years. Um, and so he was, he was my friend growing up, um, Justin Metters, a great guy. Um, but he was my friend growing up, and um, I remember getting that message from him and just kind of praying him. And... Uh, I felt drawn to Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember praying in my living room. I remember weeping and crying over the city before I even moved there. Um, one one of the one of the things that really sealed it for me was, um, I, I went to a youth service. I was just kind of hanging out in the youth service in the back. I, I pretty much made up my mind that I was going to go, but you you know you're still always a little hesitant when it's that big of a move. Um, when you're going from the Midwest cow country, as people on the East Coast like to call it, 
to the to the East Coast. By the way, I've had so many people. I've told so many people I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, on the East Coast, and they're like, "From where?" <laughs> but anyway, so it, it's always you're always a little bit hesitant when you, when you're making that big move. And um, I mean, we're talking like a 20 hour move, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah, hard. I mean it. It it was about an 18 hour drive. So you're, uh, you're moving away from everybody. Car that barely survived the trip. Yeah, you're moving away uh, from everybody. You know. What's that? You're moving away from everybody you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I knew my friend on the East Coast, and that's it. Um, and I was very hesitant, uh, still a little hesitant. I, I pretty much made up my mind, but I was still a little hesitant. But I remember going to this church service. I don't even know why I went. Um, I, I was very involved with the youth, so I just kind of liked to check out these services at times. So I'm just kind of hanging out in the back. The preaching has gone forth. And I'm just kind of praying in the back by myself. I'll never forget, Greg, you remember uh, Dawn Haddock. Uh, but she came up to me and prayed over me and gave me a prophetic word that I never forget. She said she knew nothing about my situation, at least as far as I'm aware. She knew I hadn't told anyone I was moving yet. I, I kept it to myself. I had not disclosed it to anyone. Um, and so I'm praying. She comes up to me. She lays her hands on me and she says, I feel like God is calling you to a place that you've never been before, just like he did with Abraham. Wow. And that struck me because I remember praying. It was either a week or two before that. And God spoke almost that exact same. Man, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking about this. God spoke almost that exact same thing into my spirit that he was getting ready to take me to a place I'd never been before, just like he had done with Avery. And it was almost the exact same thing. She spoke that exact thing. And it was at that moment where I'm like, okay, I, I, I've made a moment. This is, this is what I'm doing. Um, so decided to move to Philly, decided to pack up what I could fit in my car. Uh, I didn't own that much to begin with. Uh, but I decided to pack up what I, what I did own in my car and drove it across the country. Drove it across the country and put off visiting your brother in Australia for another couple of years. Yeah, yeah. My brother, who I prophesied to 10 years earlier, saying, I'm going to come to Australia. <laughs> I've got the yeah, I finally made it there. I've got the Facebook receipts, and uh, it, it took a <laughs> while, but he finally made it. Probably saved the text messages, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, when something like that happens and you take a step out like that, how do you? know that it's the voice of god i mean that obviously with uh with philadelphia it seems like god confirmed it for you um through sister how but how do you you know in day-to-day -day situations or things like that how do you discern the voice of god from you know any, any other voice or maybe your own desires yeah i mean the the first thing uh, i go to anytime i um, try to discern the voice of God as a scripture. I believe that God uh, gives us the scripture for a reason. I believe we have the word of God for a reason. And that reason is simply to hear the voice of God, mm. to be guided and directed by the voice of God. I, I believe that's the same reason you have the Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit to uh, get goosebumps and jump around and shout and, and all that. That All that's well and good, but that's not why you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit so that he can lead you and he can guide you. He can direct your paths and show you what he wants you to do. Um, but what I've always told uh, young preachers um, is that I think, I think, and I, me and you have talked about this too. Um, I think that um, we make the call of God so hard. We make it so difficult. We make it, we make it about, you know, you know, God's, going to come out of the sky and open up the heavens and start raining things down. And that's just, you know, you're waiting for the Apostle Paul experience. And if you're waiting for that, uh, good luck. Uh, I, you know, I don't know many people that that's happened to. Um, I don't think it's that complicated. I think the call of God is looking at an area of need and going and filling that area of need. I think that that's really that all there is to the call of God. That's why I moved to Philadelphia in the first place. People say, uh, and 
you know, people will say all the time, uh, you move from Missouri to Philadelphia, you know, that's, that's quite a move. And it's because before I even moved there, I did the research on the city and I knew that the city did not have, there was not, before me and Justin showed up there, that city did not have one apostolic church inside the confines of the city. Not one apostolic church, not one truth preaching church inside the confines of the city. Wow. And you're talking about a city of well over a million people just within the just within the city limits. Yeah, just in the that city. That doesn't center. even include the suburbs and the surrounding areas where it's almost six million people. Wow. So I, I there's nothing really big about this to me. There's there's nothing really hard about this to me. And it's the same re- it's the same reason that drew me to Utah. Uh my my wife actually pointed out a stat to me yesterday that Within Salt Lake City, there only 2.2% of the population even claims to be Christian wow. within the confines of Salt Lake City. So that's what I'm talking about. When, when, when you hear the call of God, it's not, you're not, you're most likely not going to get a rainbow in the sky. You're most likely not going to get a voice shouting to you from heaven. But what you're gonna, what you're gonna do is you're gonna see a mission field. You're going to see an area where you can fill a need. It's just like you talked about on your podcast the other day. It's not, it's not about standing in a pulpit and preaching. It's not about, it's not about any of that. It's about seeing an area of need, whether that's social media, whether that's cleaning, whether that's uh, preaching, whether that's singing, no matter what it is, wherever you can fill a need within the kingdom of God, that's where you are called to. Mm. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so for me, it's uh, it sounds crazy. Uh, it sounds great to, to say a guy moved from the Midwest to Philadelphia, and now he's moved almost to the West Coast. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of chuckle, laugh at myself a little bit, like, man, are you nuts? But it's it's just like I see such a need, and I see these needs not being filled. And so I know I can't fill the need all by myself. I understand. I realize that. But I can't do my part, and I can do what I feel like God wants me to do. Awesome. Yeah, and, and when you move to Philadelphia, I mean, we're not talking about you moving to an established church. As you said, I mean, this was a church plant. This was a metro missions church yeah. in the city of Philadelphia, not outside in the suburbs. And again, for uh, my Australian listeners and, and people from this part of the world, you know, America, the vast majority of the larger churches in America are in the suburbs, you know, 45 minutes to an hour yeah. outside of any major city. It's a bit different here in Australia because um, pretty much all of our population or the vast majority of our population, 80% or so, is in cities. So we have no choice. <laughs> we have to establish churches <laughs> in cities. Um, but yeah, you were moving to Philadelphia to help out with a church plant. So I'd like to have my have the listeners hear a little bit about what it's like uh, serving at a church plant in the city, in a city like Philadelphia. I mean, this isn't just a normal city, but we're talking about an East Coast city, an old city by American standards, and a city that's known for having a, a bit of a can, cantankerous attitude. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a chore. Uh, it was a chore. Um, it, it was a lot of work. Uh, what I will always tell people is if you're not prepared to move to Philadelphia, don't move to Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, there are very real spirits there. There are very real things that will try to attack your mind um, and will try to come after you. Um, but I think the thing for me was that I was so mission oriented. I knew why I was there. This, this, for me, this wasn't uh, a vacation spot. For me, this wasn't, um, I'm just moving to this part of the country because I want to start over. For me, this was, I'm helping plant a church in Philadelphia. And, and I, I never strayed from that mission. And if you can get, if you can get a mission in your mind and not stray from it, then you can, you can make an impact. You can you can do some awesome things in the kingdom of God. Um, and so, uh, you know, I was uh, the administrative pastor there for a few years, and I took over as the as the lead pastor there. 
um, it was it was a struggle. It was a fight. Uh, we had a lot of good times though. I, I think um, total, we had over twenty some people baptized uh, in our entire time there. We had a few people get the Holy Ghost, um, and we had we had some awesome moves of God. Um, we had we had some really good times in Philadelphia, and you know I know it sounds a little crazy. You know you guys are you guys are baptizing people every Sunday uh, at the Pentecostals of Sydney, which I follow that, and I think that's fantastic and awesome. Um, but if you've never been part of a church plant, you don't know how awesome it is to even just baptize one person or to just see one person get the Holy Ghost it, because it's such it's such a fight, it's such a struggle. Uh, you're battling things. You're just to even get the church started. You're battling things. You're fighting things. Um, and one of the one of the biggest battles we had was trying to find a church building, mm-hmm. um, just trying to find the finances for a church building because it's so expensive to to be in the city. Um, but I tell people all the time. I, I say um, Philadelphia was hard. It was a fight. It was a battle but I would not trade it for anything. Mm. For one, it's where I met my wife. Um, I met her about a week after I moved there. Uh, So you tell me. Yeah, about a week after I I moved there, I met her. Uh, So you tell me if that's confirmation or not. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least you got her (laughs) out of everything. (laughs) Right. At least I got her out of everything. Someone who's willing. I tell people... I tell people that number one, number two, um, you can't, you can't, what's the word I'm looking for here? You can't trade the experience of planting a church for anything, really. Mm. There's really nothing like it. Um, I I tell people, uh, I kind of laugh about it when I say it, but it's kind of like a drug. It gets in your system. It's something that you, you just, once you do it, uh, whether the church plant succeeds or fails, it's it, you want to do it again, and you mm. want to do it again, and you want to do it again, because it's not it's not about like starting a church in my name, or it's not about starting a church in anybody else's name, but it's about bringing the kingdom of God where the kingdom of God is not, and 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 so that's what I try to to uh, to hit home with people is this isn't about you know, whether the church plant succeeds or fails. Obviously, we want it to succeed. Obviously, we want, you know, great moves of God and the church to be 500 people. We want that. We think that's awesome. But that's not really what it's about. What it's about more than anything else is getting the gospel to a place that it's never been before. Getting the gospel into the lives of people who have never... I I tell people, and it shocks people to this day, that... I remember we would we would do simple Bible stories about Moses or Noah, and people had no idea who we were talking about. Well, this is a this is a city that claims to be mostly dominated by Catholics, and they don't know these simple little Bible stories. And so they don't know a lot of them didn't know who Noah was, didn't know who Moses was, and you had to break down in one of the coolest things in Greg, I know you've you've experienced this too, teaching a Bible study, is when you're sitting across from someone and you're telling them about Jesus and you can see it hit them. You see it. You see the light go on. And all of a sudden it goes from just biblical knowledge and things that you have knowledge about to, wow, I really understand this. Mm-hmm. And that becomes like a drug. <laughs> it's it's That becomes addictive. It's something that becomes so exciting. And so... That's kind of what got into my system in Philadelphia was being able to sit down one-on-one with people and explain to them who Jesus Christ is and being able to preach and and seeing people baptized and seeing people's lives change forever. You can't replicate that. You can't replicate that uh, in in, in a bigger church. And I'm not slamming bigger churches at all. I went to one for a long time. I know I've been to the Pentecostals of Sydney you all got it going on. I love that church. If I lived in Australia, I would be going to that church. But there's nothing quite like the the the, the feel of a small church plant. And you know, you're talking to somebody who's planted a church, so you know it's 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 a bit different for me than <laughs> you're a bit biased. 
<laughs> yeah. So for some people, they're like, no way, I don't want to do that. And that's fine. You know, everybody, everybody, some people, it's not for them. And that's okay. That's okay. But the important thing is within the kingdom of God, finding where you belong and where you can contribute, where you can make a difference. Right. I remember um, it might have been last year. Oh, it's probably a couple of years ago now, but you, you wrote a blog post about um, what pastoring was like and, and yeah. um, you know, what working in a church plant was. I had so many people um, bring that up to me, even at my church said, wow, that was, I love that, that post because yeah. it was just going through talking about, Hey, if you want to be involved in ministry, it requires work. Um, yeah. And yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in a church plant, if you're in a, a bigger church, if you're in a medium sized church, um, if you just by yourself on the mission field, ministry is spelled like the old adage W O R K it's work. W O R K. That's exactly right. That's the, that's the missing, uh, that's the missing piece. I think in a lot of people, it, in a lot of people's, uh, ministries is, you know, a lot of people expect to be able to preach flowery sermons and stuff like that. And that's fine. That's well and good, but ministry is work Hmm. at its core. It's work. Um, Biblical examples, Jesus, the apostles, all of them, they all worked. <laughs> it was right. a lot of work. It was not just, we, and, and I know we get this tendency in Acts that, oh, they just showed up and stuff started happening. But the reality is we don't know how long they were there before that stuff started happening. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. The, yeah, the, the book of Acts doesn't really seem to indicate time periods of, of how long Paul was in a city before they had a revival. And or the, he did a lot of work. Yeah, or the work that took place before Paul got there. I mean, right. Yeah, or the, the people who were already there before Paul showed up. He's yeah. right. He's writing letters to churches. Somehow those churches had to happen. They didn't just all appear on the day of Pentecost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it took somebody hearing the call of God, responding to the call of God, and going and filling the hole. You're going to hear me. You're going to hear this a lot. Anytime I'm on this podcast, because it's, it's one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about. Don't make this harder than it has to be. You see a need, you go fill it. The, the, the greatest blessing that you can be to your pastor, Pastor Harvey, the man, I love Pastor Harvey. But the greatest blessing you can be to him is to go fill an area of need, to go, to go find something that needs to be done and just do it. Right. Of course, with his approval, just, <laughs> he might he might might not like that I say that, but just with his approval, with right. his blessing, go fill that need and go go do what what God wants you to it's do. It's like, Pastor, I feel like uh, there's a need for another preacher on the weekend, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's this guy thousands of miles away telling me how to run my church? <laughs> no, but it's true. Like that, that's a blessing for any pastor. Um, yeah. For for any pastor is to have people in their church that um, sees a need and uh, they're willing to put their hand up and, and do the work required. To, yeah. uh, you know, I just love it when people will put forward a suggestion and then it's like, well, here you go. <laughs> now uh, you do the work to make sure that this suggestion is like, wait a second, you gave the right. suggestion. <laughs> Don't you want to do something about it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you if you have the suggestion, you might you might want to just pitch in a little bit. I mean, more than just the suggestion. And, yeah. But it's it sounds funny, but it's it's so true. It's people think that you come up with a good idea, and that's why I love the the series you're doing on the on the systems because people think that for whatever reason, if you dream something up, God's just going to come down and he's going to make it happen. That's not how it works. That's why we're here. That's why we're the body. That's why we're the church. We're supposed to implement what the gifts and the callings that he has given to us. It's not about God doing all the work. That's right. why we're here. So if you have the, if God will give you the dream, God will give you the vision. He'll give you the ability to do it, but then you got to go out and got to do it. Yeah, you got to actually do it. Yeah, so you were you were in Philly for a number of years. How many years were you were you in Philly? Was it six years? Uh yeah, it was six and a half. It was almost seven. Wow. And so uh, you you briefly mentioned about it. Well, you talked touched on it a couple of times. But uh, what are you up to now? You you recently just had a another big move. 
Yeah. Um, so we packed up, uh, left Philadelphia, kind of looking for a new start. Um, but also, again, just kind of seeing a need here. Um, and we moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. And I get so many people saying, uh, uh, my dad, my dad actually has me. He's like, so are you becoming Mormon? Jokingly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> I had so many people. I hope they're not serious when they ask for that. <laughs> I hope they don't be better than that. Uh, but no, you're just, uh, you're I'm just not becoming to... a Mormon. Let me be very clear about that. Joseph Smith is not a prophet. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, we decided to come to uh, Salt Lake City. Um, and eventually, uh, we've only been here a couple months, but eventually the plan is to start a church here. Um, that's We moved here with the intention of doing that, with the intention of planting a church here within within Salt Lake City. Um, and so we're kind of seeking God about that. Actually, uh, we have some plans this weekend to kind of, you know, put some things in motion, start thinking about some things. So we would appreciate you guys' prayers um, and, you know, and whatever God wants us to do next. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, this was an easy move <laughs> compared, compared to Philadelphia because it, it, it was, it, it was just a much easier move. I could go into... <laughs> Many different reasons why it's an easier we move. Won't, uh, we won't dive too deep into red states versus blue states or anything like right. that. Right. We won't get into politics on this show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, or at least on this this episode. Uh, but yeah, so um, decided to move here, and then you know it, it's been it's been good. Um, it's also I'm not sure you can get much different from Philadelphia than Salt Lake City. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a medium sized city like Kansas city or St. Louis or something like that. But there's just so much, uh, hiking and outdoor stuff to do here. Um, that's kind of what drew my wife here. <laughs> Part of the reason she was drawn here. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, look up for the next adventure. Um, I, I, I love living for God. Because I, I think that there's no limit to where he can call you to as long as you're open, as long as you're willing to fill a need, as long as you're willing to step in in an area where, where he needs you to step in. And uh, there's no limit to what he can do with your life. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I say this in, in, in as humble of a way as I can, but I'm kind of living proof of that, going from Missouri to Philadelphia to Salt Lake City. I mean... I can't stress it. If you had told me when I was when I was growing up that I would have lived in Philadelphia and Salt Lake City by the time I was 34 years old, I would have told you you're nuts. <laughs> I probably would have told you I was never going to leave Kansas City. Uh, but you know, it's. I remember you. We were talking earlier about times in our, or, you know, a specific time in my life where I felt called to ministry. There, like I said, there was no specific time, but I remember several times where I would just pray in the altar and I would just say, God, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And I, I try to live my life that way. I, I try to not just make that a prayer that I make in the altar, but I try to make that a daily uh, lifestyle, a daily, a daily principle by which I live my life. God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do today, whatever you want me to do tomorrow, I want to be willing to do it. I want to be open to do it because the only way you're going to make a difference is if you are open to what God wants you to do. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would have never, you never thought you'd have been in Philly or in Salt Lake or come to Australia and watch the Chiefs win the Super Bowl with your brother. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's a life highlight right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what uh, what God can do with with someone who just makes themselves available, you know. And that I, yeah, I talk about that a lot with uh, with young young leaders over here. Um, you know, growing up in Kansas City, and somehow ending up over here in Sydney, Australia, you'd have never guessed. Yeah. But it happened. Now that's a move, right? But the reality is, is um, you know, the reason that, uh, yeah, it's, it's not like you have to move somewhere to be used by God, but have that, 
um, attitude that you're willing to say yes, that you're willing to be open yep. uh, to what God would have you to do. I used to, because uh, I was on the youth staff, and I used to uh, just tell tell the young people that um, just make yourself available. You know, the the most important thing that you can do in ministry and life, if you're looking for somewhere to minister or someone to minister to, find someone to minister to, find someone who's open, find someone who wants to be ministered to, and just do what you know to do. Let the Lord lead you, let the Lord guide you. It's, it's, it's a bit tricky because we don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like stepping out into places that we've never been. We like our patterns. We like our mundane lifestyles. We like doing what, you know, what we know. But the only way that you're actually going to make a difference in anyone's life and in any ministry is if you're willing to step out and do things that you are not comfortable with and do things that are not, that are not necessarily easy to do. And that's the only way I, I used to tell the young people that night. Again, that's one of the principles I live by that if you're, if you're ever going to make a difference, if you're ever going to impact anyone or do anything for anyone, uh, minister to anyone, um, it's, it's going to be because you make yourself available and because you are open to doing things that are a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Well, we've got the, um, the Hacker Podcast, which is what you guys are listening to right now, hopefully. I mean, I don't, <laughs> know, how, I don't know how else you're hearing this, but... Um, probably turned it off by now. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, they, they left us after 15 minutes, I, I think. <laughs> but uh, we've also got the Hacker Blog, which is where, where it started. Um, and we, we're going to continue to doing that. And that's where you're a main contributor there. Uh, the vision is to have you on here uh, probably once a month. And we'll talk about, you know, different things that are going on with, with, with the uh, Hacker blog and uh, different content that we're putting out. Um, so what is uh, your vision for the content that you're producing for the blog? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about this next blog. Uh, that I've got going. Um, for those of you who, have followed it, who are following it and who have read it, I'm, I'm dealing with uh, practical Christianity and uh, uh, dealt with give your time, give your money, which caused our clicks on WordPress to plummet. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, and then uh, the third one I'm doing this week, I'm going to work on this this weekend. Uh, you all are going to love the title for this, but it's Don't Be a Jerk. Um, and so basically dealing with, uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. If you want to know what it's about, you're going to have to read it. Oh, look at Uh, you, Captain Click. Get those clicks, bro. (laughs) So that will be the third installment in the series. And my fourth and final one, um, will be, uh, uh, about being a Barnabas and, uh, talking about, you know, just a lot of people remember Paul. But not a lot of people remember Barnabas. But there is no Paul without a Barnabas. And so if you're going to be a Barnabas, then that's who God has called you to be. And you can, you can still impact somebody's life. And, you know, I say it this way. Paul made a huge difference in the lives of people. Uh, but he would have never had that opportunity. He would have never had that chance without Barnabas. Right. Uh, so that's, that's what that last one will be. And then um, I, I'm going to take... I think my next, I'm, I'm really excited about the next series after that one. It's going to be a long one. Um, I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast because that's still a bit down the road, but I'm really excited about it. Yeah. You can save that for our, for our next conversation. Yeah. But hey, um, so glad to have you on here. So happy to, to have you on the podcast after, you know, a few episodes out and grateful for your time. Uh, grateful yeah. for your commitment to, to um you know putting uh, putting stuff out there and and trying to help people trying to be a blessing uh, to the larger body of christ but uh yeah so so good to have you on and um i hope people have uh, enjoyed uh, getting to know mike hackathon the other author on the hacker blog that they've probably been reading for a number of years now and uh, you can finally uh you know understand a, a bit more about him by uh, listening to how god has worked in his life and, and what he's done over these past uh, years. 
Yeah, uh, no, it's it's a privilege and an honor. Uh, one of the uh, you know one of the coolest things I've had the opportunity to do in my life is be on this blog with you, man. Uh, I really enjoy I really enjoy writing. Uh, really enjoy specifically writing about the scriptures and writing about you know uh, one of my passions is just helping people in any way that I can. If I can if I can help you avoid a pitfall that I fell into, then I'd like to do that. Um, or if I can be a blessing to you in any way, help you in any way. Um, that's what I'm here for. That's what I feel like I'm called to do. Um, and so I'm privileged and honored to be a part of this. Um, you are by far the more talented hackathon when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, let's not, let's uh, not get into that. I'm, I'm just privileged to be you know, barely clutching onto your coattails oh, and whatever. You know, riding along for the journey. <laughs> Well, it's been awesome to have you, man. And uh, yeah, look forward to having you on here again. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Hacka Podcast. I hope it has been a blessing to you. I know I had a great time in that conversation with my brother. We are looking forward to having some great guests in the coming weeks, and I can't wait to share their stories and unique insights with you. If you found today's episode helpful, please share it with a friend and encourage them to follow the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and a number of other platforms. It was great to see a number of five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. I was actually blown away by that. Thank you so much. If you have time to leave me a rating and review on the platform where you listen to the podcast, I would be so grateful. Thank you again for your time today, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Hacker Podcast.